Hey, what's up, everybody? Jim Ahmad Eric here this week on Keeping It Real. Terry is uh, sitting this one out. Uh, we have a lot to kind of go over this week, but first of all, IGN's 20th anniversary is this year. Yep. And uh, the folks up in SF, our home office, uh, they have a little soiree, a little public shindig yeah. they're throwing. Eric, do you want to tell the folks a little bit about what we can, the information we... I've got talking points. Uh, we, did, <laughs> we did a cool party at E3 for our 20th anniversary, but that was not open to the public. This one is. Uh, so this one you can actually uh, get tickets to. Uh, so it's 20 years of gaming party. Uh, it's going to have a, there's going to be a live show. It's Saturday, October 15th at the Village in San Francisco. Uh, that's going to have highlights of all these cool things that have happened at IGN over the last 20 years. You're going to see uh, some hosts of some of the IGN shows like Game Scoop and Beyond. Not Maybe us. Maybe not keeping it real. <laughs> We're not uh, if they and teleport, as <laughs> we'll be there. Uh, there will be surprise guests. Uh, there's going to be an after party with games and a f uh, photo booths. Food and drink will be provided. There'll be live entertainment, uh, IGN personalities. It will also include, if you get a ticket for this party, uh, to go tour IGN's San Francisco office, the main office, on October 14th. So plenty of stuff available. Uh, there is a link that I cannot read to you because it's a big internet link. But if you Google uh, IGN 20 years of gaming, I think you will find uh, that link and you should check it out. And it's been, uh, it's also been touted on our, uh, uh, at IGN on Twitter. Yeah. There's information on it there. And check out our Facebook page. And maybe even this website apparently I'll work for. I think yeah. they have it there. And they had a cool, cool cake at our E3 party that all these little consoles for the, through the mm. years. So let's see what they have cake-wise at this party. Yeah. All right, so on to the matters at hand. Now, last weekend we had, um, we saw the debut of Blair Witch, which of course was the surprise sequel to Blair Witch Project uh, that had shot under the name The Woods and everything. Well, Blair Witch opened in second place, but at $9.6 million, which is considered a disappointment. Now, mind you, I believe they made that movie for $10 million. Yeah, the yeah. movies don't cost anything. Oh, actually, no, they made it for $5 million. Ah. Uh, then, of course, there was some marketing. However, because of, of that, uh, because it grossed very low, and it also critically was panned, even though we liked it, uh, and the uh, cinema score for it was a D plus, so the audiences didn't like it. Now, this has gotten tongues a-wagging in certain corners of the interwebs that horror is dead, and we're here to tell you, Horror's not going anywhere. Yeah. Going anywhere. So let's talk about why. Like Friday 13th shirt says. Blair Witch might not be going anywhere again, but again, we'll yeah. see how it holds up. But uh, horror's not dead. Let's elaborate why. Eric Goldman, you're probably our biggest horror buff here in the LA office. Tell the folks. Well, it just it was very silly to see some of those headlines this week, this year, yeah. when so many people had noted, ourselves included, but we are not the only ones, that this has been a great year for horror <laughs> as far as box office is concerned. I mean, yeah. it was just one hit after the other. Uh, a lot of these movies way overperformed based on expectations. Yeah. So yeah, they're not all going to be hits, just like every comedy's not going to be a hit, every drama is not going to be a hit. Every comic book movie. Right, right. Uh, and they generally don't cost that much to make, for the most part. That's the big compared thing, Compared right? to action movies, compared yeah. to big dramas and period pieces, they're, they're probably, especially in a found footage movie at that, yeah. they're generally very cost effective. Yeah, Blair Witch, I mean, yes, it had, it, it had these raised expectations because it was a surprise sequel and there was this, can they reignite the franchise question, but at the end of the day, say it had come out as The Woods, 
and it made ten million on a five million budget, it's like okay. It'd be a very different headline. Yeah, no. it's it's gonna it's gonna turn a profit eventually. It's gonna uh, do no fine on what. home video. Yeah, that's a movie that's you know people will be watching for a while, so it's not gonna be a breakout hit. But yeah, for anyone to say that this movie represents some big shift in yeah. horror fandom is very it's bizarre. also though that I feel like we we hear this every year. Every yeah. single when, year, when there's some horror movie that doesn't perform, uh, why why is horror that kid in school that keeps getting picked on by the more popular genres? Then? Maybe because it's not, it's never going to be. Well, I shouldn't say never, but it's rarely, uh, you know, the kind of movies that make you know two hundred million dollars, right? It's not the mm-hmm. movie that everyone goes out to see, even though there is this dedicated fandom. Huh. And you can have James Wan is getting them there, though. right? Right. <laughs> uh, but they are still scenes. There are people who just turn up their nose at the genre, That's... and I think that they're almost like looking for it to. Oh, now people won't go to horror movies. Yeah. Right? No, I think it is more about the. It's more about the genre and the procession of the yeah. genre. It's. It's a genre about people killing other people and, and yeah. putting different rappers on it. So it's never going to be the your top genre. It's never going to be your block. I mean, like I said, maybe never say never, but I, I can't imagine a world with a blockbuster horror movie. Or where there's like, it's not going to be like comic book movies where it's like, you know, every week you get like a $200 million budgeted horror yeah, movie. I mean, yeah, I mean, there are blockbusters for a different... Um, at a different level. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I like, mean look at the, the Conjuring movies yeah. make far more money than they probably ever should. You yeah. know, I mean, well, I'm yeah. not saying that as a knock in the movie. I like those movies. I'm saying if somebody had told you a year before, well, you know, The Conjuring is going to beget not only a sequel, but a spinoff. Multiple now, spin-offs. a spinoff that's getting a sequel. Yeah. Well, and like Insidious the ones, yeah. or you know, yeah. one of those. Uh, what was the other one? Uh, there's, 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 con- uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. there's Conjuring, the, uh, Insidious, there's... Um, you know, pretty much anything that uh, Blumhouse or James Wan... Haven't they already said uh, Lights Out's probably getting a sequel? Lights Out's yeah. getting... I mean, that thing uh, made... It was made for, I think, under $5 million, mm-hmm. And it's made uh, just a ton of money. We talked about it, actually, just on one of the uh, recent Keeping It Rails. Um, you know, scary movies helped save the summer yeah. box office. And granted, not all of them were horror movies. They were thrillers, too. Like, you know, Don't Breathe. Some people are like, eh, it's not really a horror movie. Uh, I'm like thriller a lot of times it, gets bundled it into line. yeah I thriller mean, ghost some movies of that stuff in the basement that's pretty horrifying yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but you know I just think that the what does this say though about Blair Witch why didn't Blair Witch connect the way that you know way we probably kind of expected it would well I mean the first Blair Witch had the benefit of being the first of its kind yep. for having the creepiest kind of marketing campaign. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It had a marketing campaign that had a lot of suspense. You didn't, you know, people it was... People believed it was real. Yeah, I mean, this was, I mean, that campaign went on for months. Mm-hmm. And people, the anticipation really built where people were like, what is this thing? I really want to see this thing. And then when they saw it, they were, even, you know, they were usually, most of them presently, they enjoyed the film. So I think this didn't have that same buildup. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, we know what the Blair Witch is. And then not having that lead up either. I mean, they yeah. only announced that it was Blair Witch, so what, not that long, a couple July. Of Comic-Con. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Comic-Con. Comic-Con. So it's not like it had that lead up either. So I think it's a couple of things that kind of contributed. Yeah, it's it's been 17 years. Uh, the movie is, you know, uh, you can't recreate, like, the event of that movie. And the and, sequel and, couldn't. No. You know, and then the movie itself was polarizing, of course, because there were people who were like, oh, that was really cool and creepy. And the people who had... I think very elevated expectations when it was a very tiny budget, strange little movie that 
never was intended to have the kind of release it got. Uh, yeah. I really like that movie, but I understood that there were some people that were just not the kind of thing they'd normally go to. Well, I, I do wonder, like, do you think part of the reason why people didn't show up for this one is either, well, it's bomb footage, so... You know, I can actually wait and watch it on my laptop, or I can watch find it, it at home, or, or VOD. <laughs> you know, something like that, where where you just—it's not like it's screaming giant spectacle. You have to go see it a yeah. big screen. But it, it also, weirdly enough, for a, a movie, a sequel to a movie that was all about that sort of communal reaction. You know, that's a weird reason to not want to go see that movie. It's like, oh, I can watch it at home. The, part of the fun of seeing that first movie was seeing it with that audience. Yeah, but I also think it also, you know, again, it's, it's you know, a very, uh, now 17 years, and then also, it's not like Blair Witch was built around, uh, like, the Blair Witch isn't Freddy or Jason, right? Like, there's no discernible yeah. sort of character there or anything to make, like, the, the most, I, the iconic yeah. images from that movie is like a dude facing a wall, you know? Yeah, and that stick <laughs> and, figure you know, thing. And that yeah. stick thing, so... It's just, it doesn't lend itself to sort of franchising in the same way that some mm. of these horror movies do. But know? do you think, uh, do you think maybe though, people over the years just, do you think that movie holds up in terms of the way people remember it? I, I, I do feel like 17 years later, we've had so much yeah. found footage. Is it now something that maybe has faded in, uh, in people's memory in terms of it, there's, its standing? I don't think people think of it as a found footage movie. I think. I think really? found footage. I think found not not solely as a found footage movie. I think people think of found footage just as another style of movie. Yeah. You know, like you have your kind of horror porn, and then you have your found footage. It's just a genre of. It's become yeah. a genre more than anything else. Yeah. So I think people still think of Bear Witch as that this movie, but I don't know that they necessarily think immediately. Oh, yeah, the found footage. So movie. you don't think it was rejected? This current one was rejected because uh, it's not another found footage movie. I mean, I think there is a bit of that. I mean, certainly because, like, you know, we were saying it's like Blair Witch came out and kind of broke the mold on being that kind of movie in a mainstream way, but then not so many movies did it since. What Was there six paranormal activity movies? Yeah. You know, it's like... And Chronicle. Yeah, yeah. There's been a ton, and there are some people who got really sick of it. Uh, and I have a weird sort of... I, I don't reject them outright for sure because there's some I really like, but it's always it is it always is a little extra hurdle for me because sometimes it feels lazy. Uh, you know, it, mm. it did become such a go-to for so long, yeah, you know, for yeah. a while. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. It just it just seemed like yeah, people it had really dissipated and uh, wasn't something that resonated, you know, with kids today. Uh, you know, the, the Blair Witch. Yeah, it's it, it's surprising to me because you know if you're an executive at Lionsgate and none of us are, but. <laughs> It would make sense that, hey, we have this thing. It yeah. was a cultural phenomenon. What what can we do now? And you get Adam Wingard, who mm -hmm. is one of the more talented suspense and uh, filmmakers. It should have worked. Yeah. Why didn't, I'm you know, just wondering why didn't that movie pop the way everyone had thought? And I, I'm just, I'm thinking maybe it's, Maybe Blair Witch just didn't have that sort of lasting. Yeah, I just think on. it was of the moment. It was like, yeah, you just can't replicate that event. Like they were on the cover of Time, right? And yeah. it was just, it was like a huge there deal. Were, but... There were lines at like Lemley theaters where it was showing because yeah. there was in a bunch of Le the yeah. Pasadena Lemley. There was a line around the block, yeah. and like people were like, oh, I can't wait to find out what this thing is. You right. know, it's like half of it was. I think half of it was the mystery and the marketing and the, you know, what it is, and then. The other half was, I saw it, I want to see it again. You know? So is the Blair Witch dead then as a fr franchise? 
doubt it. I, in, in, in horror, you never say never because yeah. there's always this idea, like, will we get more of a straight-up remake at some point? Something, Could you know? it work as a TV series? I don't know. Maybe, maybe. I mean, I think maybe you, you, you emulate all those, uh, you know, ghost investigation shows, yeah, right? Yeah. I'm going to be about a park ranger. People the always want to explore it. By the, the way, worst job ever. I got to get out of here. Before we move on to Blair Witch, I just have to tell. I don't think I've ever told this story on this podcast, but. You're the Blair Witch? I'm the Blair Witch. <laughs> no, just the fact that I went to college with the brother of Mike from Blair Witch, uh, ah. a guy named Tom. And when, again, Blair Witch was presented as a real thing, a lot of people bought into it being real. Sci Fi, Sci Fi Channel, showed a special. I think it was called Curse of the Blair Witch or something <laughs> like that. And. This guy I knew lived across the hall from me in my dorm in Emerson in Boston was on it talking about his dead brother. Ugh, but his brother creepy. wasn't dead. But it was like, again... But did he tell you his brother wasn't dead? Did he blow the... I, I think I already knew and everything. But it was just so funny. It was just a <laughs> funny he, thing. That, was the guy watching it with me? <laughs> yeah. yeah. That, that's, that's how far they took it, right? They had these people's real family that's members creepy, talking man. about them as if they died. So it was yeah, it was no. very interesting I to know this they, guy. I don't <laughs> think you would do that now. No, no. They, they went they, all they, in The cast said that they regretted using the real last names like yeah, yeah. just it, it got into weird she, the the i forget her name heather was yeah. it she didn't i think i read somewhere she runs like a pot farm now maybe or yeah but josh works you see josh yeah he's josh, still yeah, yeah he, he was in a, a he's been stuff. in a bunch of stuff yeah, yeah he has a good um name. so we want to hear from you guys why do you think the blair witch didn't connect uh when we're talking about the new one why it didn't connect with uh audiences this weekend let us know in the comments or at keeping it real at IGN.com. But horror lives. Horror lives. <sighs> Not going anywhere. Just like Jason lives. That's right. Eventually. Again. <laughs> oh, didn't they? Uh, wasn't there some news on, on Friday the 13th recently that they, a director or something? Oh, God. This has been well, they have, a few weeks ago. Yeah, they have, they have a director. I don't know. I keep, the movie keeps getting pushed back. I have a long-standing request to Jim that I get to do the set visit to the new Friday 30th movie. And he said, sure, but that was like five years ago. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. It keeps being pushed back further um, and further. Well, let's, uh, let's, let's push on from, from horror to something that is more fantasy, but Dark Tower. Now, this is also something that kind of falls in your wheelhouse a bit. Yeah. You're a huge Stephen King fan. Yeah. And you run the TV section of IGN.com. I do. Well, guess what? Do you want to tell the folks what we heard? Now, we all know Dark Tower is coming out as a movie with Idris Elba and yeah. Matthew McConaughey, but what they might not know is... Well, they might not know that the TV show is now again happening because... They might not even know that there was, was once going to be, yeah. yeah. So Dark Tower, you know, it took so many years. I was just talking to Terry about this, about how many years it took to actually happen and how there was the J.J. Abrams version. Mm -hmm. And then the version... Which that, we got the scoop on yeah. like 10 years yeah, ago. Yeah, you have an interview about yeah. that from forever ago. But then for a long time, Ron Howard and Brian Grazer were going to do it. Oh, yeah. And... The whole thing was, of course, it was this massive undertaking for any studio because it was being packaged as a movie trilogy and a TV series where they would run two seasons season. yeah, that would yeah. run in between each movie. Yep. So it was like just such a commitment. I mean, it's, it's understandable that a studio would be like, that's a lot of money you want us so to what put is it? Like a seven book series or something? It's something some, like that, some, yeah. like, you know. It's a lot. Uh, so that was what they were trying to do. Package it, as this, and they talked about, yeah, and we'll have the same actor starring in both, and... But and God. they were trying to get like Javier Bardem and Russell yeah, Crowe at different yeah. points. And there was different times where it seemed like it was going to happen, but it didn't. Uh, so then all we knew is they were making this movie that, of course, was meant to be the first of a franchise. But we didn't really hear anything about the TV side. But then this week was news that, yes, the TV show is happening. It's mm -hmm. actively being worked on. Uh, 
that the writer and director of the film are involved, that they will they have to hire someone else to be a showrunner. Yeah. But it'll be uh, 10 to 13 episodes, at least the one season. Uh, it will act as a prequel to the film, and but that Idris Elba is con- contractually signed on to appear in it, at least yeah, in a nice. framing device. But it, yeah, yeah, because it's going to follow the early, or the youth of yeah. Roland, uh, I think I'm saying his name right, to Shane, the gunslinger. What do you think? Uh, I can spell it, D-E-S-C-H-A-I-N, but uh, I think it's pronounced to Shane. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I, I guess he'll just be a kind of a framing device. Like, as each episode, just him sitting down going, hmm, I remember, remember the time. that time. Yeah. Like, now, the, the thing they said is that uh, they don't know yet if McConaughey will be involved, but it's possible. And it's funny that in this day, even if he hadn't done True Detective, but certainly post-True Detective, it seems like these movie stars are not turning their nose up at such things now. He's Nobody's doing turning Lincoln their nose and Wild Turkey. Yeah. Nobody. Now, so. Especially yeah. the short, these short commitments, you know, that it's not, yeah. Yeah. not a series he's saying I'll do for years and years. The other thing we don't know, though, but they said even if he's not in it, his character will appear because his character is a shapeshifter, so yeah. they can have him appear one way or the other. But get cheaper Matthew McConaughey. Right. So. <laughs> but we Josh <don't>... Lucas, <laughs> you're up. <laughs> we don't know who's going to distribute it yet. It's it's Sony producing, um, but... Um, and uh, uh, what are MRC? they, DRC? MRC. Yeah, MRC, yeah. MRC is, it's a co-production. Right, yeah. it's co-production, but uh, they, don't, they don't know yet who's going to actually air it, so... Instantly, of course, you're going to, you know, I think all the obvious names, Netflix, uh, HBO, HBO, and FX are probably the three most What about AMC, likely. though? Because doesn't Sony and AMC have a uh, pre-existing relationship with um, Breaking Bad and Preacher and... Preacher and um, it would fit in the wheelhouse. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that, that's definitely going to be in the mix. So it, I think it'll be, you know, especially if it's going it's gonna to be a, a tantalizing package uh, and yeah. who knows, you know, but it's like, I could see Netflix doing the thing of like, well, what if we, you know, get the streaming rights to the movies too, and we have the show, you know, mm. there'll be a lot of different, yeah, yeah. I'm sure, bidding iterations of that, but it's, it's happening. Now, I have, I have not read the Dark Tower books, and, you know, when I hear that it's this, like, multi-book yeah. saga. And, and well, the characters also, it, you know, Stephen King has this whole connected universe thing, so yeah. the characters also appear in other books where they might not be the main characters. Right, so right. Maybe made me seem a little more daunting than it actually is. Well, I guess the movie though is kind of a sequel in a way to the sequel. books, right. like, so that they're not they're not having to be slavish about adapting the books. And I think that was probably one of the biggest challenges they were facing. Yeah, it's a smart move. Yeah, because yeah, um, it's funny. I haven't read the books either, even though I'm a giant Stephen King fan who's read most of his books multiple times. Just haven't read the Dark Tower, but I, I, I am determined to before this movie comes out. <laughs> we have a lot of Dark Tower fans up in, at the San yeah. Francisco office. All right, let's let's uh, let's switch from uh, Dark Tower to a very different saga, Star Wars. Now, Rogue One's been in the news a bit this week about um, the uh, Bob Iger, the head of Disney, uh, was talking to some shareholders, I believe, and basically they're dialing down. Box office expectations, yeah, for, mm-hmm. for which Rogue is a One. smart move. Yeah, he's like, look, it's not going to make Force Awakens money, right? And but you know, by the same token, he's also saying, well, the interest in in Rogue One is as fever pitch as it was for for Force Awakens. Right, right. I mean, we've said before, there's no way you're going to recapture even Episode Eight isn't going to recapture. That Force Awakens, right? No, the first, fever. the first of the three is always going to make a, usually a decent amount of money. Yeah, yeah. and then you get a little slightly diminishing t- returns. Although diminishing returns at a Star Wars movie is still yeah. a buttload what, what of cash. Do you, what do you guys think it will do? Are we looking at a movie that could make 
a billion? I think it can make a billion. Yeah, I, I think I think that's if it's if it is perceived as a successfully entertaining film, I say I think it makes. I mean, a because and I'm I'm not. But bring I think, this up to kick the prequels, yeah. but I'm like, look, that was a movie where aud audiences were clearly divided walking out of that, and bad word of mouth or mixed word of mouth didn't hurt them. Mm -hmm. you know? No. So, no, I think, I think it's like that. And there, you, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, no. But there was a longer gap there, so people were really, really, really hungry mm. for Star Wars. And when yeah, they sure. got it, they were like, eh, it's okay. Yeah. I'll go see another one, and, it, you know. But I think saying? I think you're I think you know I I guess I'd be surprised if Rogue One doesn't make at least seven hundred eight hundred million like I think that's that that is the the low end for it uh, but yeah of course expectations have to be put in check and it is it's interesting because it's very much like Marvel as far as you know if you consider. Uh, the, the episode movies, the Avengers movies. It's like, yeah, okay, yeah. this is, this is, you know, this is Ant-Man, this is this Guardians. Is yeah. uh, but it's harder for people to see that distinction because it's still called Star Wars, even if it's a subtitle. Yeah. And, and again, you know, I know you guys have talked a lot about, anyway, about sort of audience confusion. It's not like an Ant-Man trailer where it's like, oh, that's a completely new character. It, it, it's is, more like Guardians. Yeah, because, it's more like Guardians. but even like, this, it's like, there's, there's even more than that because there's so many trappings, especially in Rogue One, that Death like uh, the Death Star stormtroopers, like yeah. the the aesthetic is so Star Wars, which it, I understand. Although <laughs> the, the stormtrooper that you see the most aren't the traditional right. stormtroopers, you get yeah. a lot of the the Death Troopers in there. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's it's like the same but different. Mm -hmm. You know? Do you guys? I mean, do do you think that the Star Wars anthology movies? Will they really be a thing after Rogue One and Han Solo? I hope so. I, I, yeah. I'm, I'm somehow I get this feeling in my gut that they're going to just stick with the, uh, with the actual saga. So do you think that means like the next movie after Episode Nine is Episode Ten? Probably, or a spinoff <laughs> following characters that were introduced mm. in this new trilogy. Because I'm just not, I, I'm not. We're not hearing enough about these, these other. Anthology films in development. Yes, they're making a Han Solo movie. Again, a prequel, uh, and you're following a character that you know you already know. Yeah. It's a it's a gamble because it's a new guy playing him, but it's the safest, smartest way to go. Yeah. Is take take existing. I mean, what what they're doing with Row One is very very different than what they're. I mean, what they originally were talking about. Remember, there was the Bounty Hunter movie or a Boba Fett movie. Yeah, and then the, the one the, Josh Trank was going to do that we yeah. never quite knew. You know, I'll say that. But I just don't. I'm just not. Row One is a. I think Row One is a test. More about these things in development. I don't know. I think. I mean, you know, he he mentioned uh, was it Iger on that call said they have a writer for the third one. Uh, yeah, but they, I, they're I, very I, good with secrets. I will say that. Yeah. I mean, Lucasfilm are amazingly good with Be secrets. And between Lucasfilm and J.J. Abrams, those are the right. biggest secret keepers. And once in a while, I, you know, because I'll, I'll, you know, hear someone say something that I can't repeat for work purposes, but I'm like, oh, wow, that really interesting. Like, you know, there's, yeah. there's stuff that they, I, I don't know, I think if any company is good at playing things close to the vest, it's them. But so. if, let's say, Rogue One is considered a bit of an underperformer, yeah. or just, it does say, like, um, like X-Men Apocalypse level right. business, where it's not embarrassing, but it's just sort of a mixed bag of like, well, do we keep going with these kind of spinoffs? No, I think I think what if if Rogue One, I think the call was to manage expectations and to lower them to a little bit to a, yeah. a realistic level. I don't think he's they're being jerks about it. I think they're just saying, look, 
this isn't this isn't your this, the traditional Star Wars saga. These are new new characters in, in uh, from an old environment. Yeah. Right. So I think once they get it down there, and if it doesn't perform the way they want to, they can still talk it up to. Well, you didn't know any of these characters anyway. Right. You know Han Solo. Yeah. You know Boba Fett. You know it. And I think the anthology. If if this doesn't work the way they wanted to, they just move to. All of the anthology movies being characters. Yeah, we've, ones we've we even heard rumors. It'll Yoda, be Obi-Wan. it'll be Yoda, Obi Wan, the Ugnaughts movie. It's happening. <laughs> it'll be Boba Fett. And speaking of Jedi the Ugnaughts movie, Speaking should be called the Ugnaughts movie. Yeah, yeah no, exactly. What about the Lobot like, trilogy? It's like <laughs> Yeah, the Lobot trilogy, <laughs> the Lobot Chronicles, <laughs> starring Ben Kingsley as Lobot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and they, uh, the comics. Uh, we had a story up on the site that they're going to cover Yoda's backstory mm-hmm. in the comics. Well, do you know anything more? I, I, I only glanced at that myself. But yeah, Didn't they I, already cover Yoda's It's called It, it Is an Easy Being Green. No, no, I mean, well, even if they did, it's not canon. Yeah, yeah. I mean, anything. That, but, but Yoda's backstory was very, even if, I, don't, I, I shouldn't say for a fact that I know they never dealt with it in the EU, EU but it was, it was one of the things left the most mysterious. Like, I don't think they've ever named his planet, even in the EU. Uh, but 800 cer- years of Certainly not canon. There. So anything that delves into actual, like, history of Yoda would be, Brand new as far as you know, being official. Canon. Interesting. Yeah. Do you think they would use that as sort of the basis for a movie if they ever did do a Yoda? I, I, it doesn't sound like kid Yoda. I don't know if they. I mean, <laughs> it could it could fuel it. It doesn't sound like they're. Kid Yoda. <laughs> it doesn't sound like they're gonna. I don't get the idea that they're gonna make a comic book or a book and then make a movie version of the same story. Yeah. I just think the idea is, oh, it's all canon, it's all interlocking, you know? And they are talking about a TV series again, so there's always that. Yeah. yeah. I do That's think where that you go with characters Star Wars you TV don't know. series is really ever gonna happen, though. Yeah, I do. If they can find yeah. a cost Live effective, action. if you can find a cost effective way to yeah. do it, why wouldn't you? Yeah. I do think one day, yeah. I just, I just think. For for Disney and ABC and everyone, they just feel like yeah, why yeah we you follow you, Finn's buddies and sanitation. There you go <laughs> on a, on an imperial base, right? right. Or just like yeah, man, I you know it's just it's it's sort of like the Office or something, but with uh, imperial. Yeah. yeah, that that was one thing. And another thing about the Star Wars show is they're sitting on like two hundred scripts. For the other show that they were developing, yeah. the one yeah. they, weren't they going to shoot it in Thailand? I think I don't know what they said, but yeah, I, 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 they have there's a buttload of, of material sitting yeah. there. No, yeah, they, yeah. I, I think that yeah, there's one but there's there, that that one has completed episodes, which is crazy. But yeah, what? the live action show, the, the Detours, the animated series that there's oh. like many, there's like three seasons. Why of, why did they never release those? Because it was it was just I I, I do think is what they said is kind of true. You just kind of read more into it, which is that it was not the kind of. Uh, messaging they wanted on Star Wars with Disney buying it and going in this, you know, doing their own thing because it was, I was at the uh, Star Wars Celebration panel for it and saw that footage, some of which was put on YouTube. Um, It was this very wacky show taking the original trilogy characters and putting them in the very silly, sort of goofy situations and them knowing we're actually going to bring back Han, Luke, and Leia. We don't want to introduce, basically there, I think Seth Green even said this, that their thinking was probably, this is not how we want to introduce kids to these characters who don't know them at all. It's like yeah. the goofy version. It's like, we sort want of to what make... happened to followers' kids only knowing Star Wars from watching the Family, <laughs> Family Guy, Guy specials. Parodies. Yeah, yeah. kind of like that. But yeah, they, they've got those. They got, um, I know they have 50 scripts for that live action show, and Ron Moore wrote for it, and some other right. really big writers. So the what fact was the that gist was, of the live action show? Was it a Bounty Hunter show? Uh, people say that it was. Um, Sorry. All that stuff they said about sort of yeah. Was that it, it thirteen thirteen stuff? Or? It was it was probably related to that. It was underworld crime sort yeah. of you know crime world stuff. Boba Fett was probably involved in it. 
Uh, but certainly it was going to be about sort of like the, the crime side of things in Star Wars. So. The huts. It would have been like yeah. the Sopranos. And yeah. Kind of. If nothing else, though, you think like one day they'd publish those as books or something. Yeah. It's kind of amazing. Yeah. Um, some other Star Wars news this week. We found out that the uh, composer of Rogue One, that there's been a switcheroo, uh, Alexander Platt, I think I'm saying his name right, was supposed to score it. He is now out. And Michael Giacchino, who did Star Trek and... Pixar movies and and he's Lost. They're, both, they're both Oscar winners. I yeah. Believe, right? So you know he's going to step in to, to score. And the the reason given was that the movie has changed considerably. I guess from from it's probably moved from from a, a war movie to more of a traditional adventure movie. Well, didn't yeah. they they I thought they they gave explanation being scheduling just as far as that because there was the reshoots. The movie did. They didn't have a finished version of the movie for him to score, start scoring yeah, until yeah. later, but it does sort of speak to you, right? Because uh, I'm God. Two two composers whose names I'm going to massacre, De Platt, who I'm a big fan of. I loved his work on the final two Harry Potter films. But yeah, he seems like the darker, edgier. They're both amazingly talented, by yeah. the way. But he does seem the guy you go to for if you're going for like a darker tone mm -hmm. than a guy who's done like the Abrams Star Trek movies and a lot of Pixar and is does wonderful sort of rousing, sweeping, hopeful. Yeah, Star well, Wars. Did Giacchino ever uh, succeed uh, John Williams in a in a franchise? I feel like he has. No, because Deplat did with uh, with with Star Potter. Wars. Yeah, with Potter. I don't think so because yeah, if you look at uh, G. Kano, Kino Kano, uh he's done like everything Abrams, including his TV series yeah. uh, Alias, Fringe, uh, Lost, and then a lot of Pixar. But I don't think he's succeeded uh, Williams. But he's the kind of guy you'd go to, right? Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, <laughs> he definitely yeah. is. Um, and then finally, I think, I think that's it for actually for our Star Wars stuff for this week. Although I can make a segue. You know who's in Star? We 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 know Benicio del Toro is in Star Wars Episode Eight. You know what else he might be in? Predator reboot. Mm. Uh, we don't know in what role, but I kind of hope it's his character from Sicario. <laughs> and this time, his toughest assignment is going after the Predator. Oh, uh, that's the one that Shane Black is making. Uh, let's see here. Oh, okay. So Justice League. They released, uh, leading up to last weekend's Batman Day, we got our... Well, you guys get your first look at this guy the Batman saw. tactical suit, which I saw on set. In person. Yeah, so <laughs> my own eyes, uh, and it's uh, you know it's pretty cool. But what you guys what you guys think of the look of that that suit? I feel like everything the the cinematic DC universe is taking all the best cues from the Arkham games, mm -hmm. and I am one hundred percent happy with that. They're taking the fighting cues, it seems like, the look, the feel. This costume looks like it's straight out of an Arkham. It's, mm. it's a little, although it's a little mix of the, you know, the Nolan verse with the pads and stuff yeah. like that, but. Yeah, it's just a lot problem. more plating over the actual regular Batman suit. But yeah, he's got those gold, uh, the gold lenses, and that's for, that's tied into piloting the Flying Fox, from what they told us in the set visit. Yeah, less bat bruises, so it's yeah. fine. I mean, a lot of people brought up the fact that it's kind of funny because it, it evoked um, Night Owl, uh, ah, yeah. which is who obviously was inspired a lot by Batman anyway, and Zack Snyder directed the Watchmen movie. Yeah. Uh, but it did kind of look like it. But no, it looked cool to me. Um, I agree with you that I think I feel like a lot of the Batman stuff is being taken from, uh, from Arkham games. I mean... As, you know, Why wouldn't you? Yeah, that, that one great fight scene he had in uh, Batman vs Superman felt what very thousand, much like, yeah, it, it felt like coming up. Uh, it felt like a Batman Arkham City cutscene. Felt completely like but, that. except it didn't look like it. Right. It looked like it. You know, whereas 
there's the uh, the the Batman Arkham Origins uh, scene with Batman fighting that was directed by the director of Deadpool, where you know you're like, oh, yeah, that could be in a movie. This yeah. was the same thing, but live action and awesome. Yeah. Um, and then this, the detail in the suit, uh, yeah, it, it almost looked like, uh, it, you know, because the Batman movie suits are almost always basically like sort of exaggerated musculature. Yeah. Although the Batman vs Superman one, not so much, but this seemed to be going back to that. Although it almost reminded me of Batman Returns, which didn't try to do mm. the like. Fake abs as much as looking like armor, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and this was a little. Was that the bit... one with the silver plates on it? In? No, that was Batman Forever. Yeah, it wasn't God. silver. It was just it. It looked. It was like taking the Batman '89 one, but just not trying it, to make it. It turned look... it into grill work. Yeah, and they it, did a little oh, bit yeah, of instead of abs, yeah. it was like yeah, it was yeah. little. It's yeah. funny, it, you know. You look back at Batman '89, and and Bob Ringwood, the costume designer. Really, I mean, my God, every comic book movie since then, mm -hmm. and particularly, yeah. Every Batman movie has basically still stuck with that same yeah. essential way of making a suit. It's out of rubber, and yeah. and it's you know the, there's the one piece cowl and all the you know except for Dark Knight and Dark Knight Rises they, you know they did well, the two piece thing. It. Yeah, but it was just amazing that that guy's work from mm -hmm. 1989 is still like such an influence. The other thing I always think about that, that, that movie's Batman totally influenced is the, the use of like the sort of little harpoon spear gun. Yeah. Because in, gun prior gun. to that, he'd that always throw a batarang with the yeah. rope around it and then that movie, he used that gun and like every version of Batman now it, uses that. Yeah. It went from there to the animated series and it was canon. Yeah. It was yeah. Like, yeah. And then the Arkham games. Yeah. The cool Arkham games. We also got, uh, a f again, you guys also got your first look at J.K. Simmons as Commissioner Gordon. Mm -hmm. Granted, it was a black and white photo, and he was in the background, but that was the scene that we were uh, we saw being filmed that day. It was his first day on set as Commissioner Gordon. Um, what did you guys think of that? I mean, looks what? like Commissioner Gordon. Snyder <laughs> gives good image. <laughs> Desaturated image. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's good, although I, I love J.K. Simmons, but when I see him, I... I he was so iconic as J. Jonah Jameson. Yeah. It's hard to see him in another genre film and like, shouldn't he be yelling at Parker about those pictures? Yeah. Right, oh, right. Man. He, 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 you know, you couldn't see from, from that image because he's wearing the hat and the trench coat, uh, but he does have hair in the mm -hmm. movie. That was one of the questions we wanted an answer to. <laughs> will we have a bald Commissioner Gordon? And the answer is no, he will have a wig. Mm -hmm. And uh, he does have the mustache. Much like J.K. He had it as J. Jonah Jameson, I can say. His yes, name. yes. Um, so, yeah, uh, curious what you guys thought about uh, the the Batman uh, images that came out. So let us know at, uh, at keepingitreal at IGN.com. Uh, Warner Brothers Brass also said uh, this week, like similar kind of uh, shareholders calls, that, that the uh, DC Universe is on track. And that um, they're doing better, and they're doing it. Uh, they could be doing, you know, a better job in execution, but for the most part, like you know, they didn't throw their their stuff under the bus. As of course they wouldn't, but you but know. it's good that they didn't. You yeah. know, for just for morale, it's like you know, you can you can admit that you there's stuff that you can still fix, but you know, move yeah. forward. All right. So at the end of the day. I'm going to look up the numbers now, but it's it's well over 700 million now. Well, maybe not well over, but it's over 700 million. Uh, in your guys' estimation, is Suicide Squad a hit? Uh, yeah. A, yeah. A, a, a draw? What do you what do you think? No, it's a hit. It's it's a hit. Uh, it's it's a hit. hit. And I, I there's the there there's some asterisks on it, but it's still a hit movie. It's the, when you look at like just what the characters were, what kind of movie it was. 
uh, that it was the first, you know, of this this new DC villain universe. Villain lives. Seven hundred twenty point eight million worldwide. Yeah, that's a hit. I mean, it's, for, yeah, absolutely. it's the same conversation that we had about Blair Witch. If that movie was called something else with different characters and it mm-hmm. made cost that much and made that much, we the conversation wouldn't be is it a hit or not. It would be like eh, the movie did pretty good. Yeah. yeah, the movie about those people escaping from that thing and the, the getting the thing and. But how much do you think, despite its commercial success, the sort of mixed bag critically and the divide amongst fans, although I think there's less of a divide amongst fans than there was with BVS, do you, do you think Warner Brothers heeds those lessons or, or, or I do. think there's a lesson to be learned uh, there if people still show especially, up? It's actually funny because Suicide Squad, ironically, Though I do think, yeah, I do think there are, I think there are people who are, even though I didn't like it, I think there are more legitimate fans of Suicide Squad than there were of Batman versus Superman. Yeah. I know there are some fans yeah. of Suicide Squad, but I think there are more people who, like, love Suicide Squad. That being said, it's obviously the movie that was more troubled behind the scenes. Like, mm. apparently, by all counts, uh, Warner Batman Brothers was... Super just ran. Yeah, and they, and they were surprised by the reaction to it yeah. versus Suicide Squad, which sounds like a very troubled movie where a lot of things happen by the, behind the scenes. So that's kind of, they definitely are taking lessons from all of it. I mean, I don't think they come out of this year being like, you know, we nailed it. You know, yeah. everything's great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but at the same time, yeah, they can definitely, Suicide Squad is a hit uh, for sure. But yeah, I think that they don't want it to happen the same way, you know, right there. Right. It, it, you know, it did what it was supposed to do. It made money, didn't tank the franchise, mm-hmm. didn't sour it uh, so much that, you know, that the detractors won't see another movie, and it didn't, you know, it, well, it made the people we'll who would see a movie see another movie. Or just see those characters no. in different movies. I, feel, I can't imagine. I think more likely you would just see, like, I, I think because the biggest, like, the unqualified things I think of that movie are that people like Deadshot and they liked Harley Quinn. Mm-hmm. And so... And they liked Amanda Waller. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so those characters will be exploited. And I've, Boomerang, we, we already know, I'm sure he'll show up in the Flash movie. Yeah, and yeah, well, also he'll get his own movie, you know, it's Captain Boomerang Chronicles. Uh, <laughs> He's <laughs> joking, people. I, I am, uh, <laughs> but I do, I mean, I think they're the biggest creative and the huge question I am so fascinated about is how do they handle Joker going forward? Who, by yeah. all, you know... We everything we're hearing was like the character most cut out of the movie that I think is the most like you know divisive part of this movie that honestly Even the actor who played him yeah and, and I hear way less people deep. saying I love the Joker than I hear saying I love Suicide Squad yeah. so I think that's their biggest I, creative I think, question I think what you do is you just when when the Batman films start coming out you you don't lean into Joker immediately you yeah. wait and they they'll just take the temperature. As things go on, and yeah. whoever the, whoever's going to be in that first Batman movie, whether it's Deathstroke or somebody else, it won't be the Joker. Yeah. yeah, and maybe the second movie, and maybe the third movie, but it definitely they can take their time. You don't you don't need to rush to show Joker again. You can even you know, we know Harley's Harley will probably show up again, and she's going to probably get her own. Spin yeah, off and I think she shows up sooner than later. That'd be interesting. That'd be interesting, especially given what we learned about her involvement in Robin, how you do another movie with her as a lead. Yeah. Unless I, you somehow team her up with uh, Deadshot again, I which I think people would see. Yeah, yeah. I, I just feel like, uh, yeah, I feel like this year, the success, you know, Deadpool and Harley Quinn were like two characters that were so beloved by comic book fans and had like this sort of pop culture little corner, and then these movies made it's them like... It's also 90s nostalgia. There's a yeah. whole generation of people who grew up with those characters, and they hadn't... Well, in one case, they hadn't been done right before yeah. on screen, and then you know, so there was definitely an appetite for that. So, yeah. yeah. So I think I think Harley Quinn is such a 
success for them with that. And mm -hmm. and with coming off of focus, those two, uh, Will and Margot, clearly have on-string chemistry mm -hmm. together. Yeah. They work really well together. Um, you know, maybe they'll show up again. I I can't imagine Death, Deadshot coming back, but it'd be nice. Yeah. Um, I mean, they're gonna have to wheel out that that barrel of money. Yeah. 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 He's not gonna come. I bet cheap. they. I think. I think they'll get him. They yeah. can find him. <laughs> yeah. But I think it's like you said. It's more of a jumping off. Like, okay, now we've introduced these people that we can throw in a whole bunch of other movies. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. You know. Um, I think we did not do a show the week that Jeff Johns confirmed to the Wall Street Journal that Deathstroke is the villain in mm -hmm. the solo Batman movie. Um, I'm just curious, do you guys think, is Deathstroke, uh, is he enough to be the only, like, main, the, to be the main villain in a Batman movie, or are we, or they need to kind of throw in some more I, iconic ones that maybe the broader audience knows, like mm -hmm. a Catwoman or something mm -hmm. like He's that? He's a great villain. There's a lot you can do with him. Um... I think they picked somebody who's more of a physical and mental match for Batman. Mm. I would have rather seen somebody who's from Batman's rogues gallery than somebody from the Titans rogues gallery because I'd rather see a standalone Titans film. Like if I was going to make a Nightwing movie, I'd make Deathstroke the villain. Right. Yeah, <laughs> you know. But yeah. having having Deathstroke, I think since he's kind of been tested on on you know on the TV version, yeah. just like Suicide Squad was tested on the TV version, I think now right. they're like, hey, this character was popular in this medium. Now we'll bring him over, and I'm I'm sure he'll be fine. I think that uh, I think that, to answer your question, as far as like I think that both are true in that I think Deathstroke is strong enough to be the vil the main villain, but I also bet you anything we will see one or two other more familiar Batman villains pop up. Yeah. Especially because they actually have more license to now because he's supposed to be a Batman who's been around for years. Yeah. So he can be fighting someone. And he's like has a history with them, and you don't have to do some like the origin of the Mad Hatter. Yeah. The or you know, it's like he can crazy quote. We can yeah, be throwing yeah. the Riddler in jail at the beginning of the movie, and you, know, yeah. you can do it. You can handle it that yeah, way. It'd be interesting. Uh, hear your guys' thoughts on that. I keep it at ramblingign.com or in the comments below. Uh, a couple of other things I want to throw out there. Uh, we did get our first look at um, via these little vignettes, these TV ads, I should say. Uh, for Ghost in the Shell, the live-action movie with Scarlett Johansson. Now, I'll be completely honest. I am not overly familiar with Ghost in the Shell. I want to get into it, but I haven't yet. <laughs> so, uh, but, uh, you know, Ghost in the Shell has certainly been controversial so far. But it does look like they're, they're leaning into selling it as this sort of techno cyber thing, mm -hmm. but more so Scarlett Johansson movie. And you, well, you loved her in Lucy, you know. Well, the way I'm that scared. they launched the teasers was really interesting. They launched it during Mr. Robot. They didn't brand them. Uh, so I got two teasers in before you really get a look that, oh, yeah, that's Scarlett Johansson. Yeah. The first one you can't really tell. The mm. second one, you get her from the side, and you're like, hey, wait a minute. By the third one, you're like, oh, okay. So it was really, it was, I think they made the right idea of where to launch it. Yeah. I think that part of that audience. Mm -hmm. I think if you were going to launch it somewhere else, you'd go with something that was a little more apparent. Like, this is Ghost in the Shell, and this is what this is about. Yeah. Yeah. This was a nice, I think it was a smart place to tease it. Yeah. I mean, they can't, uh, Ghost in the Shell, I mean, it, it doesn't have a, a large enough audience, well, certainly not in America, to count on Ghost in the Shell fans. Like, they need to yeah. sell this movie to everyone. So, yeah, I think this is an interesting kind of cool approach they're doing, this sort of mysterious way they're... They're marketing it. I want to ask you guys about this uh, other new trailer that we, we finally got our first footage from Passengers. Now, this was, a, I believe, a blacklist script, 
and it's uh, Jennifer Lawrence and Chris Pratt, and it's a big science fiction movie. And, two billion dollar uh, opening. What? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, look, it's it's about two people on a sleeper ship in space who wake up like what ninety years before they're supposed to be woken up, and they can't go back to sleep. Um, so you know, it's a very interesting high concept, but uh, you know, it's. It's big, expensive sci-fi that isn't tied to an existing brand. Mm -hmm. Did that that trailer, uh, you know, how do you think that movie will will do? Is is star power enough to, to make that uh, an event movie or I think those two stars yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, and, and, and you just think back a couple of years to Gravity which was a big hit um, you know True. and and this has more of a obviously sci-fi bent than Gravity which was set in space but was still much more yeah. traditional you know, science yeah uh, so yeah I think I think yeah the combination of those two and the trailer, which I didn't think was like an amazing trailer, but I thought it was a decent trailer that ends on a cool note where you're like, oh, okay, interesting. Um, yeah, I think that'll, that'll be a nice holiday hit. I was, I was a little surprised in the trailer to see Jennifer Lawrence, who we know as Katniss and this very, you know, always a, a forthright character, even when she's like a damaged character. But, um, you know, just playing kind of the girlfriend role, like... Everyone driving the action in that trailer is, is is Chris Pratt, and I couldn't help but think of Finn and Ray when they're running down the hallway holding hands. And right. mind you, I think Pratt and, and Lawrence are supposed to be their characters eventually probably become a, a romantic item. But just thinking of when Ray is yelling at Finn, "Don't hold my hand!" Like right, you know, right. it, it seemed a little bit more traditional. You know, you know, uh, not damsel in distress, but sort of like. She just seemed to be kind of taking a back seat, at least in driving the action to Pratt's character. That could just be in the editing of what. Yeah, because what, yeah, they what I hear that's not. Yeah, I mean, and especially even the end of the trailer insinuates that like there's more going on here as far as what right. his motivations are. So, yeah, yeah I, I have a feeling there'll be more to it than that. Interesting. Um, all right, uh, let's see. Da, 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 da. Oh, Fast and Furious Eight. Now, um, uh, Paul Walker's brothers, Caleb and Cody. Uh, revealed to, I believe it was Entertainment Tonight this week, that they've had conversations with Vin Diesel has spoken to them about wanting to use Paul Walker's likeness in a cameo of bringing back Brian O'Connor. Um, tacky? Should they just let it go? It was such a wonderful send-off for him at the end of Furious 7. Um, yeah, you, you go first. No. <laughs> no, no. No. I get it for... for Franchise nostalgia, but no, just it just seems like it, it, there's it no makes, way in which this isn't going to pull you out of the movie. There, there's, yeah, yeah. There, I I think that yeah, like they they ha- had such a daunting situation to deal with in the seventh one that they did very well at the end. Now it's weird, right? Because they they wrote him out and they gave him this very emotional out that was a weird mixture of real life and not because the character didn't die yet they treated they still were respecting Paul Walker so it got this montage and everything that really yeah. was obviously a nod to the fact that this person is no longer with us even though the character is just supposed to be like leaving this life um, that being said yeah I don't see how you bring him back it's hard because they're, they're like the franchise continues the only way and even then it would be hard but if uh, if they end it with it it's so funny to say with the 10th one because they've announced <laughs> through 10 they've released dates I could see the very end being the like walking up to him at a house or something. With like his, him, he's yeah. on the porch. Yeah, yeah. 
but that's it. Like you, I don't see how you bring him back before well, then. Well, what if, for like what if there's a, no, like not some, as a character. Yeah, what if yeah. they find like a look at his watching family like or yeah. movies, but there's some clue or something in the background, like something like was supposed to have been recorded in I, the past. I feel like anything like that opens the door to well, why don't they just call him? Like you know, it's like yeah, yeah, it, it's yeah. that's the weird. He's problem. off the grid. That's man. the He's that's the weird the problem of of writing him out, but continuing the franchise is that. He still reasonably would be someone that you know they could reach out to. You still follow him on Twitter. And, <laughs> right. yeah, yeah. So you have to kind of ignore that. So the more they remind you of him, yeah. if in any active way, it would be strange. No, know? they they did the send off. Leave it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I just want to uh, also acknowledge that there was some news uh, this week that this upcoming movie, Monster Trucks, starring Lucas Till and I believe we uh, talked Jane about the trailer Levin. on a previous. We Keepin did. It's the most ridiculous trailer. It's literal monsters and. And trucks. Yeah. Um, and Viacom announced this week that they're expecting a $115 million write down. I don't think the movie even opens up until 2017, Gen- like January. January. Yeah. So they're already, they already know, like this thing costs $125 million. And they didn't million. name the movie, but THR said this is what they're talking about. Yeah. yeah which other people already suspected. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. come on, first of all, why did monster trucks cost $125 million? Especially when the effects look so bad. I, it, what the, happened? The, the screen image I saw looked like something that came out of 1986. Yep. That it 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 looked very there was something very old and familiar looking about it in a bad way. Yeah. When you sent me the trailer, I was <laughs> shocked. This was a theatrical film. Like if you, you was that me, when you were convulsing upstairs? <laughs> <laughs> Probably. It's like one of those movies within a movie, like when they had Adam Sandler as like Merman and like yeah. funny people or whatever. Yeah. But but even like is even if I, I would say a sci-fi movie, but because it does feel like so goofy and kid-oriented, I'm like if you told me it was a Disney Channel movie, I'd be like, okay. But I was like, wait, this is a theatrical film from Paramount, and then I read that it cost over a hundred million, and I was like. Lord. Like I was like, I, I can't believe it. And they said that, oh yeah, they envisioned it as being like a big tentpole movie, only to realize it was more uh, of a kids movie. I'm like, what was happening? Like yeah, yeah. something that went seems very like, off the rails. That seems like some uh, an idea got greenlit, and then they were like, okay, you've greenlit your idea. I'm going to go back to producing my other stuff, and like nobody was minding the store for like a development <laughs> period. It's run itself. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> and people were like, let's just try some stuff. Let's do it. Let's do it. Um, on a sad note, we lost director Curtis Hansen this week. Uh, he directed one of my top ten favorite movies, and I've done my so top good. tens up on the side. He did uh, L.A. Confidential, which is just a masterpiece. It's, I love that movie. Yeah, like starring well, two Aussies, though. Just saying. Starring two just Aussies. Saying. Uh, one's a Kiwi. <laughs> oh, okay. When, Russell when, Crowe is a Kiwi. Yeah, a couple years ago, uh, most of the editors in the L.A. office did our top ten lists, and L.A. Confidential did not make mine, and it was so close to it's. It's one of the best movies I've ever seen. It's yeah. so great, and it's funny because like I think it's more like in your your kind of normal wheelhouse that yeah. movie, and for me, it's not. And yet, I just was like, this is. Astounding film. It's like yeah, just a perfect movie. movie. I, I just—it's one of those movies I watch over. You know, every time I see it, I learn something new. It's like watching again for the first time. Goodfellas is like that mm-hmm. for me, um, and it's just yeah, it's just—it's such a great movie. He, yes. he directed many other films though too. He Wonder Boys did. is really good. Too. Yep. Yeah, uh, Wonder Boys is great, and uh, River Wild, the mm-hmm. one where Meryl Streep is action star. Yep. <laughs> and then he did. Um, was a bad influence with James Spader and, so. and Rob. Hand that rocks Rob, the cradle. Hand that rocks the cradle. Yeah. So yeah, so uh, unfortunate. You know, yeah, unfortunate really. Yeah, news. and if you haven't seen like Confidential, check and it out. Call Rolo Tomasi. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> he'll help you out. Indeed. Um, okay, let's uh, let's look ahead at what's opening up this weekend. Two big releases are going to be duking it out this weekend. We got Magnificent Seven, 
and storks. <laughs> now, uh, storks we didn't like. We <laughs> posted a review of that, gave it a negative review. And Magnificent Seven, which I've seen, I have not seen storks, but um, I agree with Terry's review, which is that it's an okay to good movie. Like, it's perfectly fun and fine. Uh, our colleague at Daily Beast, Jenny Mato, just really nailed it when she said, yeah, it's Fast and Furious with horses. And it's, Again. yeah, mm -hmm. it's, 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 a, it's a fun movie, but it's kind of like just eating a slice of pizza. Mm, yeah, that hits the spot. But is it the best pizza you'll ever have? Mm -hmm. No. Will you think about that slice of pizza tomorrow? Probably not, you know, but it's perfectly fine for what mm -hmm. it is. Um, Which is good because some movies are just entertainment. Some right. movies are just yeah. that you you just need to get out of your life for a couple of hours. You know, not yeah. three Batman. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and it and that's all you need. You just need yeah. a movie that gets you from A to B and is entertaining. Um, and some some movies don't need to be any more than that, which is fine with me. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's got a great cast. It's got Denzel, Chris yeah. Pratt, Ethan Hawke, Vincent D'Onofrio, who I actually interviewed uh, for this over the phone. Uh, the other day, and I reminded him of, well, reminded him, he never knew that, <laughs> um, but I told him uh, an anecdote of, I was mugged years ago, I was like 17 years old, and this big kid came up to me, I was standing outside of a bowling alley, of all places to get mugged, and I could just see this kid was, you know, something's, something's up with him. And, but I'm looking at him, I'm like, wow, he looks just like Vincent D'Onofrio in Full Metal Jacket, and the kid <laughs> pulls a knife on me, and so the cops come, I got to go down the station and look at photos. And I remembered this kid's face vividly because I had just watched Full Metal Jacket. <laughs> I was like, hey, this kid looks just, you know. Private like pile. And so I told D'Onofrio this, and you got a big fit of laughing out of it. He's like, never knew I also could stop crying. This is amazing. <laughs> um, so yeah. Apprehended. Yeah. So Magnificent Seven comes out this weekend. It's a lot. Of, it, it's very fun. Go check it out mm -hmm. if you want. Also opening this weekend, uh, Storks. Uh, which will probably edge up Magnificent Seven probably at the box office. It's a kid's movie animated. Um, the Dressmaker, starring Kate Winslet, uh, Queen of Cotway, I think I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, IT, um, starring Pierce Brosnan, but it's also on video on demand. Um, and then a movie that I, I saw recently that actually came out two years ago in Europe, but it's Christoph Ganz's. Uh, retelling of Beauty and the Beast. Now, Christoph Gans, if you guys don't, the name might not ring a, ring a bell to you, but he directed the Silent Hill movie and Brotherhood of the Wolf. Um, and it's visually sumptuous, but there's just an emptiness to it. It's, it's sort of, you never quite connect with either Beauty or the Beast. Mm -hmm. um, the Beast, it was done via motion capture, but it's almost like it's too much. It's like just digitally sort of erased any expression from Vincent Cassell's face. Um, but it's an interesting, visually interesting, and very just very ornamented, I guess is the best way I can put it. Like mm -hmm. production design, everything really beautiful, but there's just sort of an emptiness to it there, you know? Mm. So it's just interesting that that's coming out just a few months before the the Disney uh, yeah. remake of their musical I think, better. I think that one's <laughs> got the, it's got a little bit of an edge, yeah. a little bit of an edge. But uh, Beauty and the Beast, that's also available via Shout Factory, and that's going to be coming out in home videos soon as well. So if you Cotway's got a good cast. Yeah, Cotway's got uh, Lupita Nyong'o and David Oyelowo. Mm -hmm. uh, I think I'm saying Two Star Wars actors. Exactly. 
so that's also, you know, that's, that's limited release this weekend, broader release next weekend. Um, so that'll about do it for this week's show. You can check out our other shows like uh, Beyond and uh, I'm Drawing a Blank, uh, Superhero Show. Which one? Oh, I was going to say Up at Noon. And up at Noon, shows. all that shit. We're on all these different platforms. Yes, I'm going to give Roku a show because I have a Roku. Roku. Uh, you follow us online on Twitter at, at the Eric Goldman, at Ahmad Childress, at Jim Vavida. Uh, send us your thoughts at keepingitreal at IGN.com. For all things <laughs> movies, keep it here on IGN.